it comes with the territory of being a parent that inevitably you're going to have to teach your child about grief and loss, whether it's, you know, the loss of a relative, a family friend, or a family pet. So how can we channel those feelings in a way to help kids understand this is a part of life and that when a life ends, love doesn't, it continues. Hey everyone, I'm Bianca Schultz from the Children's Book Review, and this is the Growing Readers Podcast. Today I have not one, but two incredible award-winning guests for you. Author Trudy Ludwig and illustrator Catherine Otoshi, they're here to talk about their incredibly beautiful picture book, Calling the Wind, A Story of Healing and Hope. It's inspired by the wind telephone in Japan, and this poignant story explores the stages of grief, the healing power of hope, and the unbreakable bonds that connect us all. It's really so very moving, and I truly believe that this book will be so helpful to so many families who are working their way through the grief process. If you're a regular listener here, you know that Trudy Ludwig is a nationally acclaimed speaker and an award-winning author of numerous children's books, including The Invisible Boy, which was a school library journal best picture book selection, and a recommended back-to-school book by USA Today and Scholastic Teacher. Her books and presentations focus on promoting kids' social-emotional learning skills and help empower them to be kinder, more compassionate, and inclusive in their social world. Trudy has collaborated with leading experts and organizations, including Sesame Workshop, the International Bullying Prevention Association, Committee for Children, and ConnectSafely.org. Catherine Otoshi is an award-winning author-illustrator best known for her character-building number color book series, One, Zero, and Two. She is also the co-author of Beautiful Hands, a book about possibilities and reaching your dreams. She travels across the country to encourage children to develop strong character traits and to help readers and teachers find creative methods to engage and connect with their students through the power of reading, art, and literature. Before we dive in, here's the synopsis for Calling the Wind, a story of healing and hope. In a small village in Japan, a family mourns the loss of their loved one. Each family member grieves in their own way, but it is not until they discover an old-fashioned telephone booth on a windswept hill that they begin to heal. Through the telephone, they are able to express feelings long bottled up, speaking directly to their loved one and also to each other. Slowly but surely, the pain subsides and hope blossoms anew. Inspired by Itaru Sasaki's wind telephone, which brought healing to the people of Japan in the wake of an earthquake and tsunami, this story explores grief and loss and how we move forward by finding meaningful ways to connect with the family and friends we've lost, as well as those who are still with us.
Mashi Mashi Trudy, you're officially a two-timer on the Growing Readers podcast today. And even more exciting is you've brought a friend with you. And I am so thrilled to have you here, Catherine. So Mashi Mashi Catherine. Hello, hello. Well, today we've gathered to talk about the incredibly moving picture book you both created. Calling the Wind, a story of healing and hope. And the origin story of this book, to me, is the true definition of poignant. It's inspired by Itaru Sasaki's wind telephone in Japan. And I'm hoping that one of you, you guys can pick, would share some insight on the wind telephone and how you first heard of it. Do you mind if I start, Catherine? Go for it, Trudy. Oh, thank you. See, Catherine and I are work spouses. We get along so well. (laughs) Um, So what happened was uh, Catherine and I have become good friends over the years. We both respect each other's work and we really get along well. And we were hoping to someday collaborate on a story together because it's lonely on the road when you're presenting as an author. And we've co-presented at conferences together and we get along quite well. So uh, one uh, weekend, Catherine was in uh, Portland, Oregon, and I was picking her up. Uh, She was going to spend a few days with me. And when I was on the way to pick her up downtown, um, there was a podcast going on This American Life about the wind phone. And I was so mesmerized by it that as soon as Catherine got in my car, I told her, you have got to listen to this podcast. And so as soon as we got home, we dropped her suitcases in in the bedroom. I made her sit down and listen to you. Remember, Catherine? Yes. I made you sit down, listen to it. And we were, I said, this is it. This is the book. That was it, our book. And we looked at each other and it was just, it was as if lightning struck us um, that this was the story. We knew that this is not going to be one of those stories that it's an intense story but it was an important story to share. Um, So our book is fiction, but it's inspired by this actual wind phone um, that started in Japan. And so uh, it started from there. We immediately started collaborating and we've been working on it for four years. To pull from the book summary, Calling the Wind explores the stages of grief, the healing power of hope, and the unbreakable family bonds that connect us all. So Besides being moved by the This American Life podcast episode, which I'm going to drop into the show notes because I listened to it and it was amazing. I I would love to know what would you say is your driving force behind sharing this beautiful idea of the wind telephone and coping with the challenging emotions that come with grief in a story for children. So, so what was the driving force? Like you wanted to collaborate, you wanted to create a book and you picked this story to tell, but why this story? Uh, I could go ahead and jump in. Um, One of the things is that uh, sometimes we don't know how to voice some of these big feelings that we have in through, through the narrative or sometimes through somebody else's experience, um, we're able to somehow open up and um, the wind telephone just seemed like something that was something so personal where um, Itaro Sasaki, you know, he put up this telephone um, because um, his dear cousin had passed away and he wanted to find a way to be able to still talk to him. So even though the rotary phone wasn't connected to anything, 
symbolically and emotionally, he felt that um, it was a way for him to communicate. And Trudy and I had both been experiencing loss in our own lives. And um, yeah, this this book really struck home just the whole narrative of this man's uh, openness to be able to find a way to be able to communicate with a, a loved one that had passed just just rang true for me. Um, and I also wanted to be able to find a way for me to um, express and um, voice the feelings that I had inside that didn't know how to come out. So that's that's for me where the driving force was. How about you, Trudy? Well, I had been going through cumulative losses. In, I've lost eight dear people, family members, or very close friends um, in the past seven years. And um, I really felt that this story resonated so strongly with me because it was, I wanted to do something to find meaning. And this, that's one of the stages, the descriptive stages. I don't want to say that everyone has the same experience when they go through grief. It's a very individual process and there's no set pattern, but you know, there are different types of stages that some people go through other stages, others don't. I don't want to say that that is a prescriptive process um, when dealing with grief, but I found that our book for me was a way for me to channel my grief in a very constructive way and to find meaning with my grief. And it, it really was a personal journey. I think that's why it took a while for both Catherine and I to do this because we were trying to process how can we express our grief in an age appropriate way without being too traumatizing. Unfortunately, you know, as a parent, it comes with the territory of being a parent that inevitably you're going to have to teach your child about grief and loss, whether it's, you know, the loss of a relative, a family friend, or a family pet. So how can we channel um, those feelings in a way to help kids understand this is a part of life and that when a life ends, um, love doesn't, it continues. Trudy, I've heard you use the term emotionally resilient in the past. Yes. So I'd just love to stay with you for a minute just to hear your thoughts on the meaning and importance of raising emotionally resilient children. When I refer to emotionally resilient children is for caring adults in the world to help them understand that good coexists with bad in life. Much as we adults would love to get rid of all the hurt and loss in our children's world, we're not able to do that. But what caring adults and supportive friends can do is help us get through the hurt. And when you're talking about emotional resilience, I'm not talking about putting that whole burden upon that child that they have to be strong. It's a matter of support from community because we rise together, right? We all rise together and we need to have that support. And who can we lean on during tough times? Who do we feel safe leaning on? And we will go through tough times, but we'll get through them because we have the high highs and the low lows and happiness can be uh, fleeting and ephemeral. And so we want kids to understand that, you know, joy and sorrow come hand in hand. And the important thing too, that I think with emotional resilience with respect to grief is that I think as my mother would always say, and, and I talked to Catherine about this quite a bit, my mom, it, we call it an ethylism, but she'd always tell me to reframe things. And that's what I wanted to do about grief is that you cannot have grief if you have love. Um, they go hand in hand, right? Um, and the more you love, 
eventually the more you grieve. So to me, it's, it's an honor of showing that you cared about a person in your life. Catherine, do you have anything you want to add to that? Um, you know, when Trudy was talking about emotional resilience, I was just thinking almost because I'm an illustrator, you know, about um, if you were going to draw out the waves, you know, and how it does do the ebb and flow. But, you know, life certainly isn't like this linear path that keeps going up. You know, we are going to have those highs and, and lows. And I, I think that that's the important part to remember. And one of my favorite lines in your book, of course, Trudy is hope blossoms anew uh, to just con- remember that, you know, spring is coming. You know, there's this period where we're going to be honoring and feeling um, sadness, of course. And again, it's going to come back. It's going to ebb and flow. It might soften. Um, and we we talked a lot, Trudy and I, about the wind where Although you cannot see it, 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 it's still there. Grief is that way. Um, and love, the love we feel for somebody is everywhere. Yeah, just wanted to go ahead and bring that up about how nature shows us how life ebbs and flow, the wind ebbs and flow. And so do these big emotions that sometimes we're finding um, ways to find words to, to voice them. I imagine that creating this book, as you mentioned both having experienced your own grief, that it provided a pretty healing experience for yourselves. So I'm wondering within Calling the Winds, is there a particular moment in the pages that speaks most to you, Catherine? Um, One key uh, scene that Trudy and I did talk about quite a bit, but um, there's flowers that go throughout um, the book and they're symbolic. And if you look, the vase is empty when they all the families first sitting down and they're not talking to each other. But as time goes on, more um, of the family members start adding to the, you know the bouquet, this um, beautiful little yellow bouquet of flowers. Um, what happens is though the father is very upset because they're out, um, they're going to the wind telephone and he's mad about the time. But of course he's really just upset about the whole situation and he accidentally inadvertently. Um, smashes the vase with all the flowers and he bends down and he is kneeling and he literally as he's picking up the flowers and he's just picking up all the memories and bringing his face to it and for me it was a a very emotional scene because that's how you kind of feel about it is that it just rushes in and you tangibly feel it and he looks at the shattered pieces and he realizes that's when he needs to go ahead and he he wants to go to the wind telephone and speak to his loved one, the the mother who in the story has passed away. I want to just take a quick tangent before I go to you, Trudy, and see which part speaks most to you. But um, I, after listening to the, this American life episode, the, the part in that episode that really, I mean, I literally was crying was the young girl who her father had been missing since the 2011 tsunami in Japan, and she hadn't spoke of the loss of her dad. And when she comes with her family to the wind telephone and she's encouraged to speak and she doesn't know what to say, but she just starts. And once she starts, she just lets go. And, and that release of, of, of just, of just, speaking to the wind was so incredibly, incredibly moving. So again, I just had to go on that tangent because that moment was coming back to me after you shared that special part from your story, Catherine. 
Trudy, which part of your book, Calling the Wind, speaks the most to you on a personal level? It ties in actually to what you and Catherine have just both talked about. One of my favorite lines that I had written in that book was, feelings too big to hold inside must find a way out. And that's what it is with grief. You can't, you have to let those feelings out because they're bigger than what you can contain. And that's why it's really important and that they had a vehicle for releasing those feelings. And that was what that wind phone was all about, right? It was a safe space to voice their grief. And we all need to have a safe space to voice it because otherwise it eats us up inside. We need to let it out of us. Um, these are really, really big feelings and we need to name those feelings and to experience them. The thing is you, you can't avoid grief. You can postpone it. You can be really busy, but grief has a way of knocking on your door and saying, I'm not going away. And there's no timetable for grief. It ebbs and flows, just like what Catherine was saying, which is why I loved how Catherine, I felt that she created the wind to be a, a, another character in the story. I mean, grief is the wind, you know, and it's gentle. It, it doesn't have to be something to be afraid of. Um, it, it, it carries you. It carries you up. It holds you when you're going down, but you're on this ride and, and it's a journey. Um, and there's no time limit. That was the other thing I wanted to show is we needed to show that time passes. And Catherine did a beautiful job showing that visually because some people feel, and, and I hear this from people, well, it's already been a year. They need to get back to normal, but that's not fair. You know, I think that our culture really does a disservice and really talking about important things like grief and death and loss. And you know, the story isn't just, it's not just about death. It's about a loss, a change of life. Maybe your family has moved and you're mourning the loss of your friends or your parents are going through a divorce and your way of life is completely different now. You can grieve. It doesn't necessarily have to be a physical death to grieve. I do have to just call attention to, you said that, well, to quote your line from the book, feelings too big to hold inside must find a way out. And then you said, grief will continue knocking on your door, right? You can't hide from it. And I just have to let listeners know that the knocking that you heard while Trudy was, was talking was not grief knocking at Trudy's door. She is having her roof replaced and it was just incredibly fitting the timing of the knocking after you said that. So sorry, yeah. I had to just point <laughs> out that if anybody's listening, thinking they're going crazy and they, they can literally hear grief knocking at their door, it's Trudy's roof being repaired. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have no control over that. Just like you don't have control over, you know, your feelings at times, and that's okay. You just got to ride those waves, right, Catherine? That's right. Absolutely. So something that you both have said. So Catherine, you mentioned the, the vase and at the beginning, or as everybody in the U.S. says, vase. In the vase, there were flowers that were not there at the beginning. And as spring comes the flowers start going. And I noticed that in your color palette changing, the color palette changes and spring arises and we we start to notice a healing moment. And I found the whole book so moving, but what I loved is the moment 
when it is spring and the young girl in the book asks through the telephone, can you tell dad to get us a puppy? (laughs) I just found that the sweetest little moment of much needed just joy. And I'm just wondering, like, how did you, it took you four years to write the story. So how did you figure out like how to tell this story in such a blossoming way that, you know, this light moment that made me smile and almost giggle in a very sort of deep, profound way. Like how how did you figure this out? You know, I'm just going to mention one part of the aspect of it was such a collaborative process. And I think it did take a while because we were using some of our life experience and putting it into the book. But originally the illustrations were going to be collage and Trudy and I had talked about, you know, these simple collage images. And um, but after a friend of mine passed away, I was upset and I just was sketching things out and I it it just happened to be it just needed to be watercolors. And as Trudy pointing out, because I was crying when I was doing these illustrations, um, the initial sketches, um, she's like, you know, your tears are being mixed into the art. And so it it wasn't like we were working 24 seven on the book. So much of it was um, finding for Trudy, I think the right words, the right way to be able to express herself through a haiku. And for me, finding the right illustrations, symbolically looking at the blues, looking at the yellows, and then of course, combining those two colors to, to be spring. But if you really look through the book, I use more muted muted colors in the beginning. Um, I start um, saturating those colors, um, especially um, having yellow being a symbolic point where they're the flowers, but they also represent the yellow bird that comes in and shows the way, which also represents um, the mother um, kind of watching over them and um, and then mixing all those colors in the end to create a sense that hope does indeed blossom anew. So it was, it was a whole combination of, of a, a collaboration and, and Trudy going back and forth and doing many, many reiterations. And one last thing I am going to say and say thank you to Trudy, who really allowed me to do illustrations because some scenes we just felt like maybe there's no words. Maybe it's just the contemplation of how in real life we're just thinking and words can't describe it. So let the pictures describe what's sort of going on in the narrative. So thank you for that, Trudy. Oh, you're so welcome. And my apologies to the listeners in the podcast. I have no control over the banging in the background. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, There's commonly, you got to get them. Um, so the other thing I wanted to say, and thank you, Catherine, that's really lovely of you. Um, this is sort of a mutual admiration society, both Catherine and I have been having for years. I knew she was the right person to do this. We see things visually. She is an amazing artist and she knows how to take it at a whole new level. And it really, as Catherine was saying, it was an unusual collaboration. You don't see this happening with picture books. Um, rarely do authors collaborate this way. We both were invested not only in the words, but also the artwork. And Catherine was open to um, suggestions of how do we shorten the scene so it's not as long? And how do we transition this 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 character's uh, journey to the next character's journey? So it was a lot of openness and trust. And whatever I suggested, and Catherine was so open to it, oh my gosh, she took it to a whole new level visually than I 
could have even imagined with it. Um, there's so much feeling in there. And the beautiful thing is that really, this is a book about hope. It's, it's about how we get through and the beauty of hope and the beauty of human connection and how we all need to be connected to get through life together. And what a beautiful journey we are when we can do that. I was so obsessed with the color palette that you used, Catherine, and the wisps of wind that to me are just so much more than wind. I'm just curious, like I had this moment that I'll share where my dad passed away two weeks before my third child was born. And my parents, my mom still lives in Australia. So my dad was obviously in Australia and I couldn't fly on an airplane. It would not have been safe for my pregnancy to fly on an airplane. I couldn't go home. And in the last moment of my dad's life, I was on the telephone and I was speaking to my dad. And my mom didn't understand it in that moment. She was, he, he can't hear you. And I said, mom, it doesn't matter. Like, I think he can. And I, I need to speak to him. And that was in thanks to my husband. My husband was like, just talk, just keep talking. That was my special moment through the telephone. It didn't involve wind. And I love just the concept of this telephone with the addition of the winds because it almost gives a voice coming back to you like through through the air and I just I just want to hear both of your thoughts on on how wind plays a part in the story. I, I, people are spiritual, some people aren't, some people practice religion, some people don't. And I just I just found this moment of wind so I, I'm not finding the word to put to it. So I'm hoping that one of you can put a word to the meaning of the wind in the story. Do you want to go ahead, Trudy? Well, I think that um, the opening scene with the boy who discovers the phone booth does um, share a bit. Um, he's questioning. Um, he's going to this phone booth. He's not quite sure what will happen in the phone booth because he's got this phone that's not dis that's disconnected and he's talking and he says, I hear the wind. Is that you? I feel like you're here somewhere. And I think that that's the whole thing is the energy, the spirit, whether you are a person of religious background or um, whether you're spiritual or not, or whether you're scientific and don't believe in, you know, a certain God, we are comprised of energy. Our bodies are energy. And where does that energy go? You know, it's always there. It doesn't disappear completely. And I think that that's why the story really, for me, is really powerful is because I think it answers or it calls out to people. It's this I don't know. It's, it's, it's bigger than us. I don't know how else to explain it. Catherine can. I, I agree. And, you know, in some ways I was seeing that the wind talking about and what we were saying before about ebb and flow, but it's also the inhale and exhale, um, breathing in, taking in that moment and then allowing for that release to happen. And so there was multiple brushes that they kept trying for the wind. And, you know, ironically, it just ended up being this big, rough, um, paintbrush that I that I would sort of load up the paint and then I would move it through the illustrations and um, sometimes that wasn't even big enough and so I would physically actually get a big watercolor paper and just swish it through to just get the right movement going to feel that that exhalation and also kind of the inhalation as well 
one of the things that our editor and art director had brought up to you is, you know, wouldn't it be interesting since we're introducing this as a character to break up the panels. So as the character comes closer to the booth, go ahead and let the wind start going through and breaking up some of those panels. The other thing that was interesting about this particular book, at least for me, is the breaking up of the panels. I'm very much of a big epic spread, you know, double page spread. And this particular book, you know, was broken up in a segment so that you can really see the different points of reflection when the boy is thinking about going to the booth. You see him looking down, you see him looking at the paper, you see him walking through town and finally getting there. Um, but those are all ways kind of in a more cinematic way to be able to allow and express time passing without words at that moment. A couple things I love that you had said, Catherine, um, when you were talking about breathing the air, yeah. breath is symbolic of life, Yeah, you know, and, and that something is like the wind and air, air, and to be able to breathe in that air, it, it's, it's to me another affirmation about life continuing. It may not be the same, but we're bringing that person with us forward. We're not leaving them behind. We're not leaving our family history behind. We're taking them along with us on our journey in a different way. I think it's it's really important. The other thing I wanted to mention when we were talking about this is when we were pitching this to um, our editor um, about doing this story, we went in, coming in as a team. If they just wanted my words and not Catherine's artwork, I would not go. If they just wanted Catherine's artwork and not my words, no. We knew what we needed to do with this book and we were so committed to it, which is also very unusual when we were taking a risk that way. But the other thing too is we saw this book not as your typical picture book because it was so dependent on Catherine's illustrations. You know, picture books, you know, are big ideas in small packages, but this one was a huge idea in a small package. And it was really crucial that the illustrations were talking to the reader, um, not just the words, the, the text. Wouldn't you say, Catherine? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that is another reason why it, it took us a while to have this baby be born is we, we were being careful. You were doing a lot of research too on um, realizing that the stages are messy. Um, it doesn't, again, it's not linear or sequential, and the expectations cannot be there. It goes back and forth, and we feel things strongly at sometimes and not. But um, between that and our personal experience, and I'm I'm glad we allowed that time that we needed to to make this book happen the way it did, Trudy. Truly, it was a labor of love. But as I told <laughs> Catherine, it's brief birth. <laughs> yes. Well, and and talking of maybe sort of rebirth and taking your life moments with you forward. Trudy, can you clarify this? But I believe that you were so inspired by Catherine's artwork in this that you've started dabbling in some watercolor artwork yourself. I actually have. Um, I was so in awe. And you know what? When I started doing the artwork, I, I went on YouTube and doing the beginner videos. I have nothing but even more appreciation for what Catherine has done. I'm like, how did she do this? You know, I'm trying it. I, it's, you know, but this is the other thing that I love is that it's a really important lesson for me to do something for the fun of it that I have no idea what I'm doing, but it's the process. And it's a very humble reminder, you know, when you spend your years honing your craft as a writer, you can kind of take it for granted after a while. And 
the artwork for me is that's how all artists start. They start, I'm, you know, when they were young and they just kept honing their skills and learning and crafting and, you know, going to school and then years of work. And I'm just trying to do this for the joy of art and how healing art is. And we've come up with a, you know, I think a really good slogan for our story is it's a story with heart, with the word art in it, because it's, art is a way of healing and books are a form of art, you know, and I think that they give us a way to heal our souls. Art is extremely important. So that's why I see the story as a story with heart. I also want to add that in the back of the book, you've included resources on grief, the Coalition to Support Grieving Students, the Dougie Center, the National Grief Center for Children and Families, and the National Alliance for Children's Grief. And I just want listeners to know that I'll pop those um, links to those resources in the show notes too. And as I mentioned in our podcast episode a few weeks back, Trudy, when we talked about Brave Every Day, I always love it when authors and illustrators in the back of those picture books, they have those extra resource notes. They're so enlightening and it really does help to further conversations uh, with your families and your kids when you read together. So I love those um, extra resources in the back. Trudy and Catherine, this is a question for both of you. If listeners were to go about their day now and could only take one thing away from this discussion, what would you want that to be? That's a really tough one in terms of what do I want the reader to walk away with is I think the last line in the story that even when a life ends or a way of life ends, love still lives on. Love still lives on. And and so does hope. And we get through this life with each other. As you can see, when we start to share our feelings, big feelings need to be shared with people in safe ways. And I think that's what we wanted to share here is um, there are different ways of sharing your feelings, but it's important to share them with people you feel safe with. And that's how you can heal. It's part of the healing process. And I agree, especially that the last line, you know, love lives on is to realize that the connection is still there. Our connection with other people, our community, um, with our loved ones, whether they're here physically with us or, or not, it still continues on. And um, that's what sort of um, bonds us together as, as human beings is that level of connection and community and, and being able to express some of these big feelings with each other. Um, that, that's how we do feel um, that love and connection. And it continues on. Yes. Thank you so, so much. And I just want to uh, honor my 11th grade Japanese language lessons and, and honor the origin story of this book, The Wind Telephone That Came From Japan. So I want to say, Domo Arigato Gozaimasu. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a joy to talk with all of you. Thank you so much for joining us on this quest for growing readers. Be sure to check out our show notes. You'll find a link to order a copy of Trudy Ludwig and Catherine Otoshi's Calling the Wind, a story of healing and hope. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Apple Podcasts, Chromecast, Spotify, or anywhere else you enjoy listening. Subscribe to the show to get new episodes as soon as they launch. If you're enjoying our book chats, please leave us a review. And while you're at it, tell a friend to come and have a listen. The Growing Readers Podcast is a production of the Children's Book Review. 
To discover more fantastic books, I hope you'll visit us at thechildrensbookreview.com.